house at a safe house in Paris. Why would I need a safe house in Paris? Should things at some point go terribly wrong, it's good to have a place to go, you know, for a cup of tea. My brothers, my sisters, the clock is ticking faster. My dream, we who live for truth, for love. The moment has come to take our rightful place in the world where we wizards were free. Join me or die. The wizarding and non-wizarding worlds have been at peace for over a century. Grindelwald wants to see that peace destroyed. What's going on everybody? It's your boy Val Cisco dropping some knowledge about Anchor. Guys, have you ever wanted to record your own podcast? Don't you want millions and millions of people to listen to what you have to say, whether it's about Zeus, whether it's about sports, whether it's about everything that's going on in the world of quarantine? Guys, what are you waiting for? Download Anchor. Anchor basically is a one-stop shop for all your podcast needs. It has creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or your computer. Number two, it's free. Guys, it's free. There's not a lot of freebies out there, so grab this. And of course, Anchor will distribute your podcast so you can be heard from different places like Spotify, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, and many, many, many more. You can make money off your podcast too with minimum listenership. So right there guys, like listen, this is a no-brainer. Download Anchor, it's pretty fantastic, I love it, hell, thank you Anchor for giving me the platform to speak about all the random things that I do. Uh, It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place, so please, once again, download Anchor. You can download it off the Apple Play Store, the, the Google Store, I don't know if you guys have Blackberries out there still, uh... Whatever is out there, download it. It's freaking phenomenal. You guys won't regret it. Take care. Ciao.
What's going on, everybody, and welcome to another great edition of At The Movies, always brought to you by Sideshow Conversation. It's me, your teacher in the Wizarding World, Val Cisco, and of course, we're going to be talking about a movie that's in the Wizarding World. Fantastic Beasts, The Crimes of Grindelwald. And before we get started, guys, if you haven't done it already, please listen, like, Subscribe to Sideshow Conversations, whether it's on Anchor, whether it's on Apple Podcasts, or whether it's on Spotify and every other podcast station you can think of as well, too. Leave that comment. Leave that subscription. Let me know what you like. Let me know what you don't like or any kind of constructive criticism that would be perfect. So let's talk about the storyline of... Fantastic Beast: The Crimes of Grindelwald, an effort to thwart Grindelwald's plans of raising pure-blooded wizards to rule over the non-magical beings. Albus Dumbledore enlists his former student, Newt Scamander, who agrees to help, though he's unaware of the dangers that lie ahead. Um, lines have been drawn, and love and loyalty are tested, even amongst the truest of friends and family. In an increasingly divided wizarding world, how can Dumbledore stop the crimes of Grindelwald? So, guys, this movie is a very divided film, as we like to talk about in this podcast, because I like controversial films. I like films that make people talk, make people think. With this film right here, I feel that it's divided among critics and fans all alike. I feel like the performances were fantastic in this movie. I believe the critics think so as well, too. But I feel like the fucking plot line just goes a little crazy. Um, I feel like there's twists and turns that don't make sense whatsoever. And we'll talk about a couple of them. We won't go too much into spoiler territory. Um, of course, the character is Johnny Depp playing Grindelwald. Let's start with him right there. I think um, very refreshing... I always thought that um, Depp belonged in the Harry Potter universe. I felt like his quirky sense of humor and his characterization in films is very... Uh, it leans toward everything that was in the Harry Potter universe, or at least for a character or two. Um, this movie itself, him playing Grindelwald, I feel like he toned down the crazy antics that he brings in these movies, and for good reason. I feel like everybody was criticizing Giant Depp for being an overactor. Someone who just got too into his characters. And this character right here was pretty fun. It, it, it was a, I want to say a toned down version of Benjamin Baca from Sweeney Todd. You know, very menacing, but very provocative. Provocative is a great word to describe Grindelwald. I feel like um, a silver-tongued devil, even though he looks like the devil with his pale hair and his two-toned eyes, um, he can really spit the truth at you and make you think twice about the world that you're living in right there. So I feel like the best characters, the best villains are ones that you can relate to. Is it a trope? Kind of. But for Giant Depp right here, it really it gives him a chance to act again. And I feel like a lot of these character movies, whether it's uh, the Mad Hatter and Alice in Wonderland, whether it's um, Willy Wonka and Charlie in the Chocolate Factory or Toto, Tonto, look at me, Toto. I'm thinking about Africa over here. <laughs> Tonto and the Lone Ranger. I feel like these are characters, but not enough acting. Um, just enough giant up screaming around. We didn't get that in this movie. We got very menacing, dark Johnny Depp that was very relatable. You'll see that in the movie when you go out there. 
hopefully we can see this. Uh, let's talk about Jude Law, man. Jude Law playing Dumbledore, young Dumbledore. People are up and down about the character as well, too. Um, and I can see why. If you're a fan of the movie franchise, you have your Dumbledore. You probably have two of the Dumbledores, but you probably have your Dumbledore. And you probably were not expecting to see a young Dumbledore in the Fantastic Beast series whatsoever. The fact that you have one now makes you think, hmm, do I really want to put all my eggs in my basket with you law? And I can say yes, proudly. He gives the swab sophistication that Dumbledore gives you in the older movies. Uh, you can see it in the, in the books as well, too, that Jude Law oozes confidence playing Dumbledore. You know, the man that smiles, but with an agenda hiding behind the smile. I think that's his best, best, best example of a great actor right there, is when you can think twice about the character and their motives. Even though he's not on screen that much, I feel like every time he is on the screen, he is powerful. He commands presence, whether it's just Jude Law being Jude Law, or just knowing that he is Dumbledore, you listen to every word that comes out of his mouth. And it's brilliant. You see him as a teacher with, for, the, for the dark arts, which is fantastic. Um, you see him, you know, um, just living his life in Hogwarts and also just being the secret agent that he is against this um, whole craziness that Grindelwald is about to... Um, gift to the world. So, you know, he has his own agendas and he has his own um, plan for Grendelwald or for the people around him, um, hiding against the ministry and whatnot, hiding his acts against the ministry. I feel like he was a very complex character that you can really sink your teeth into. Um, Eddie Redmayne as Newt Scamander. I thought he was great. He's my favorite performance in the movie. He was my favorite performance in the last movie. Um... He could do no wrong. And people were, were shitting on him. Like, oh, he's too quirky. No, uh, fucking Scamander is a great character. And it's going to be one of these characters that you're going to remember in this franchise. Um, someone very kooky that fits the bill. You know, socially awkward, but so confident with the beast that he surrounds himself with. Um, his inability to... to... Um, to empathize with people is very strange as well too but at the same time you see the innocence of a child in a man's body in a way um that's what i got from it um i love the fact that we get to see his kookiness again whether it's in his interactions with old and new beasts whether it's interactions with other characters what i didn't like about it and i'll say it's not really a detriment to his character maybe to the writing itself is this love triangle that he has in this movie um but at the same time, I feel like you got some great character development. Someone who was on the fence on both sides of this incoming war, whether it be Grindelwald, whether it be Dumbledore, whether it be the Ministry. He was someone who just did not want to take a side. Just wanted to fucking find beasts, find, find animals, and take care of them in a way. That's all he wanted to fucking do. And he kind of got roped up into something bigger than what he thought was. So I, I absolutely love his character. He's my favorite character. I will say, though, the breakout character of this movie, Zoe Kravitz, playing Lita Lestrange. And if you're a fan of the books, you will know that the Lestrange lineage has a lot of ups and downs. And I felt that her performance 
in this movie, and this is just me saying it, deserved a movie of her own. Her family's lineage deserved a movie of their own. Just so many ups and downs with her characters. Uh, whether it's her going back to Hogwarts, we see um, Hogwarts uh, with Lestrange there, New Commander there at a young age, and of course Dumbledore teaching them as their um, defense of the dark arts teacher, which is fantastic. I loved it. I, I thought that was great to kind of give you that that Hogwarts feeling again, and how Lestrange is picked on and kind of like victimized in her school, but of course has a dark past of herself, and Newt just um, being that that friend that 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 will always be by your side, not to judge you no matter what. Maybe that's due to his kookiness, or maybe that's due to his character itself, just not caring and loving. It's it's mentioned in the movie you, uh, that he has a love for all kinds of monsters, and it's a very powerful thing to look at, especially when you look at the end of the movie. Um, I, I, I felt like she was a great character, new character that um, had a lot of, death had a lot of characterization that had a lot of growth from beginning to end um i felt like she's a tearjerker as well too especially toward the end of the movie you feel for this character in every way possible the good and the bad um and of course so many other characters that were in this movie as well too um reoccurring again ezra miller playing credence barebone um Maybe the character I just didn't care for that much, and someone who has one of the biggest plot twists in the movie, and kind of what this movie's about, looking for Credence once again. I feel like it treads on the first movie, in a way, um, to the movie's detriment. I feel that Ezra Miller had better character development in the first movie. I liked his abused childhood. I liked the fact that he was this orphan that was cast away, and this movie just gave him too much development, and as much as I love Ezra Miller, I felt like I didn't feel his his presence. I felt like he was such a stale character. I feel like this guy is just tweaking on the screen, that's really about it now. And yes, he has, you know, his own um, love affair as well, too, his own love interest, I should say, in this movie, and he has somewhat of a growth, and of course, a big plot twist toward the end, but... I don't know, I just, I didn't feel his character whatsoever. I felt like it was, every time he was on screen, he didn't command any kind of audience whatsoever. He didn't make you feel a certain way. You didn't empathize with his character whatsoever. You could, you could really empathize with a, with a character that's looking for his mother, um, looking for his lineage, if you will. And I just felt like maybe, I don't know, maybe it's because we've seen him in so many comedic performances these days that we're used to him throwing out a one-liner and this mopey, droopy character just wasn't fit in the mold. I felt like the last one, at least, he felt like a menace to society, and I kind of stripped that away from him in this movie. He still was very menacing, but I feel like it was kind of stripped off. It was like Credence Light in this movie. Um, but yeah, so many other characters in this movie, and you'll definitely see it when you get there as well, too. Um, I love... It's just me just throwing things out there to you guys. Um, the set pieces were fantastic. You're going from old-timey New York in the 1920s to old-timey Paris, Britain, um, Scotland. There's parts where you see old-timey Hogwarts as well, too. I absolutely love that. <coughs> um, there's parts in this movie that are just phenomenal, a breath of fresh air to look at. Uh, parts where you know they're in Paris and how they get into the Wizarding World in a way. Uh, it's just fantastic, you know, kind of like she, um, kind of taking off the blindfold 
uh, of what people see, what muggles see, and just entering the world in a certain way that you haven't seen before. That was interesting. Um, costume design's fantastic as well, too. Pretty top-notch. Um, they captured that era, uh, whether it's the New York style back then with the little flowered hats for the women, dresses, you know, the um, the rugged suits for the men as well, too. And, of course, that, that all-star British look that, that Red Main um, gives you and Love gives you as well, too, is just phenomenal. Costumes, they could actually win an Oscar for, for best costume designs. Like they have a, a pretty awesome chance for this. The score was pretty well, too. And the, you know, the music was pretty fair. Um, I felt that I was in the world, especially when you go back to Hogwarts. They give you that familiar dun 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 dun. So it was very interesting. You know, it, it gave you that nostalgic feeling. Um, let's talk about the bad. Well, one more, one more, one more. One more, that's good. Uh, if you guys were wondering if the rumors were true as well, too, it's not really talked about in the books, more just passages for Harry Potter and uh, Rawlings. Um, notes about Dumbledore and Grindelwald, if they were lovers, of course. Um, they hint at that, so I enjoyed that. You know, I'm a big supporter for the LGBTQ community out there. Um, uh, and I, th I feel that this right there really kind of set a tone. It wasn't forced whatsoever. It was delicately handled. It was handled the right way. And I feel like if they get into the next movie and kind of expand upon that and give you a little bit more into their history, I would enjoy that as well, too. Will it turn certain fans off? Maybe, I don't know. Depends. It really does depend. I don't want to see my double door kiss no man. That's not your target audience. Your target audience are the ones that will pay for any kind of Harry Potter movie, play, book, screenplay that comes out. It doesn't matter. Uh, they'll, you know, they'll go to freaking Universal Studios and go to the, the Wizarding World every other weekend. So they already know, they have that inkling that Dumbledore could be gay and Grindelwald could be gay as well too. And the fact that they were lovers at one point as well too, um, a lover's quarrel, if you will, um, is interesting. So I found that very fun. Hints of it dropped. And you know what? One more one more, I know, guys, I know. We'll talk about the bad. Nicholas Flamel. Nicholas Flamel was fantastic. Uh, we got that from the previews, and I understand that people are like, oh, man, you know, you spoiled it. Kind of a bit. I would have been happy to see him just come out of nowhere. I like his performance. I thought he was great. I thought it was a little ditzy, a little whimsical, but I think the movie needed some of that. I think, um, if anything, with Johnny Depp not being the, the, kooky, the kooky character... Nicholas Flamel was definitely that that ray of sunshine, just very bitter, not bitter, very brittle man. That even every time someone shook his hand, you hear the bones crack. Um, but you know, with a lot of Easter eggs that you see with his character, especially a so, certain stone that he's carrying locked away, um, I feel like it gave you a lot of feel good moments to see him on the screen whenever he was on the screen. Came out of nowhere, I will say that came out of nowhere with like. <sighs> I understand, friends of Dumbledore, but it just felt like he just popped out of nowhere without enough backstory or anything to it. And, of course, if you read the books, you'll get enough backstory. I understand that. But as a fan or as someone who's just new into this world, you, you were kind of bombarded with his character a tad bit. But you know what? Since we're going that way, let's talk about the bad over here. 
the plot is kind of out there, man. I feel like Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them was a movie that they put out there, but I think that was more of a feeler movie. I feel like they were giving you a feeler to see what you would think of a, of a movie with Grindelwald, with Depp, with a Dumbledore later on, and if you would accept it or not. Uh, whether it made money or not, totally up to them at that point in time, and it did. It made its money, and it had decent reviews as well, too. But I felt that they would have probably went in different directions, but they didn't, and they kind of rehashed some of the same things that they were doing in Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them, which is weird to me, because this movie should have been centered around Grindelwald. It should have been, and it kind of wasn't. He was almost like a secondary character in this movie, which is weird because your fucking name's on the title of this fucking movie. So why are we looking for, uh, for Credence still? You know, I understand, I understand, I understand. If you saw the movie, you understand why. If you see the movie too, you understand why too. His, his plot, is his, his character is essential to the plot, especially toward the end. But I feel like it was just a way to put him back into the movie and just go crazy one more time. Um, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe this was, you know, predetermined. I don't know. Um, but I feel like it was just <sighs> retreading waters like, again. Um, another thing as well, too. I feel like they were trying to squeeze three different movies into one. I feel like, like I said before, the Lestrange lineage and family could be its own movie. And Zoe Kravitz's performance... You won't forget it. She takes the screen, and it's unbelievable every moment that she's on the screen. I'm not lying, people. She really captivates you. And I feel like her story itself could have been their own side movie. Um, I feel that they also were giving you, like, a Fantastic Beast Part 2. Like, literally a Fantastic Beast Part 2. Not, not you know, war with Grindelwald and Dumbledore. Like, more just exposition of Newt looking for monsters, in a way. And I like that. Like I said, I love Newt Scamander. I thought a lot of the best things from that first movie was him looking for the monsters and trying to trap them, in a way. I felt like that was funky and cool and different, and I enjoyed the hell of that. And we got this in this movie, too, with different types of monsters as well, too, and just him being kooky trying to get these monsters and, you know, have, like, safe passage with them. I think that was cool, but again, I won't spoil too much about it, but you're going to get like characters that come out of nowhere. Characters that ended off in the last movie thinking that you erased memories, and then somehow they come in the first ten minutes of this movie, they're like, hey, remember that thing you said that I won't remember shit? Well, that didn't work, haha. <laughs> I'm like, Ugh. if that was the case, like, bro, we could have done something else with that character. We could have. We, we, we could have. Um, there's so many characters in this movie that you're like, huh, alright, do we really need to take those turns? Those twists? Um, especially if you, you know, you're, you're bringing them back for a better purpose, for a bigger purpose. That's just me. Maybe I'm being a little harsh on it. And maybe I'm not giving the film its due. But I feel like it was three movies worked into one. And I just didn't like that. And just respect that whatsoever. I think people were, were kind of forced into choosing what parts of the movie you like the most. Um, um, Dan uh, Fogler's character right there, um, playing Jacob 
Kowalski. You know, him, you, you thought that he was going to be, since he was a breakout character in the last movie, that he'd be great in this movie. I felt like he kind of was, but he was this another secondary character that felt forced in this movie. You erase his memory, now you brought him back for no reason. He was a great character to the animals, to the, to the beasts in the last movie. We find out in this movie you get a, a different caretaker taking care of all the beasts inside the suitcase when it could have been Jacob all along doing it. So I felt like that was just half-ass writing right there. I, don't let me say it, though. Fucking this chick, you know, Rowling's a billionaire. Who the fuck am I? I have a podcast. Mediocre podcast. So <laughs> I can't say much, but I was just felt like it was bullshit storytelling right there just to write him back in. Queenie's character, too. Queenie was just weird. Like, just a weird fucking turn. Weird fucking turn. Like, she was just mad and angry and bitter. And it's like, this character was so sweet in the first movie that what really fucking turned her? What really just sent her over the edge? Literally, this movie happens, like, I want to say, what, within a year of the first movie. So what happened in that time? Um, I just felt like there was character development that was going backwards instead of forward. And I wish that we would have maybe just... um, Stop making it. Stop trying to make a. Stop trying to make a Fantastic Beast and where the final part two, and separate itself to more of the war between Dumbledore and Grindelwald and focused on that, and of course, which leads me to the other part of the movie as well too, the war. I felt like we were wasting so much time on Newt and his journey with. The Fantastic Beasts, where there was a Lestrange lineage, and the plot twist with that, and then finally getting to the juices toward the end of the movie with Grindelwald and what crimes he committed. And I felt that all three of these things could have had their own movies. Fantastic Beasts already did. So it's like, why? What was the point of trying to shove all this into one movie? It felt long. And it felt tiring, especially if I'm a newcomer to this universe, I'm going to feel tired walking out of this theater. If I'm a fan of this universe, I'm going to feel like I wish I would have had more of any of these characters in their own other movie. And if I'm just in between, I'm going to feel like how I feel right now. I feel that I'm very indifferent about the movie. I feel like I, I not that I wasted any time or money, because it was a decent movie, I just felt very indifferent. I felt like, man, something could have been different here. Something could have been changed. Thing, something went wrong. And the tone really changed because there's three different fucking tones in the movie. Um, that was my biggest concern right there, too. I'm going into this movie. That if they could capture the same essence, and they were trying to. Just trying to use that catapult on something different. Um, but anyway, guys, that's really about it. Um, do I hate this movie? No. By no means... I hate this movie whatsoever. Um, I feel all the performances were fantastic. I thought this was a great movie for every character that was in this movie, for young Dumbledore, for Grindelwald, for semi-credence, for a new commander. Everybody did fantastic in this movie. But, like I was saying before as well, too, I felt there was too much happening and... Three different tones were happening in this movie that you really couldn't keep up with. I think that's why this film's very divided. Very divided. Amongst critics and fans. But hopefully you can make that decision yourself when you go and watch this movie. If you are interested to do so. 
Um, like I said before, this movie will have its fan base no matter what. People go to the freaking Universal Studios every other week and spend money on wands all the time. So this movie will make its money no matter what. You'll get that trilogy or that fourth movie that'll come out as well too, no matter what. But what I would recommend is just, if we're going to go with the next movie, let's stick to the actual story. Let's not try to go crazy with the fl plot and make it complicated. Let's go paint by numbers. This is a movie you've seen already. I, I'm, I'm honest. This is a movie you've seen already. It's just, you know, good guy, kind of kooky. There's also a guy that you're not too sure if he's good. And there's also some love interests. And there's also an enemy that you can relate to. It's a movie you've seen already. It's just, I felt like they dropped the ball somewhere. I'm not too sure where it was. If you don't agree with me, please let me know. Uh, if you want to reach out to me, Val Cisco on Instagram. Also on the Twitter at Uncanny underscore V. We can talk about this movie if you want to. Um, if you guys want to reach out to the podcast, the group page is on Facebook at Sideshow Conversations and on Instagram as well too at Sideshow Conversations. Uh, please, like I was saying before, get out there, you know, spread the word about this podcast, whether it's good, whether it's bad. Leave a comment on Apple Podcasts. Like it on Spotify. Um, go on Anchor. Download the app Anchor. It's a free app for people. It's a free app. You can make your own podcast. Um, you can listen to other podcasts as well, too. It's a great startup for anybody who's looking to put their voice in the world. And just leave those comments. Hey, even in Anchor, too, you can leave a voice comment if you want to. Let me know if I fucking suck or not. Let me know if I'm some jamoke not knowing what he's talking about in the Harry Potter universe. I welcome it. Seriously, I do. But that's all I got for you guys out there, so hopefully you did enjoy it. Like I said, I enjoy the constructive criticism. Bring it to me. As always, get your mind out of gutter, but keep your eye on the side.